0: This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one, with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to SummerschoolElectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. Hey guys, Philip here, 40 Watt Podcast. So, this week we're going to do something a little bit different because I am at Summer Nam. And don't have a new episode for you this week. But what I do have is I have one of our Patreon exclusive episodes that I'm going to share with you. I've talked to the Patreons. They're cool with it. So what you're going to hear is my extra interview with analog man Mike Piera that shared only with our Patreon. So if you want to see what you're getting with a Patreon subscription, this is the kind of content we're adding just as a bonus for supporting the podcast. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash 40-watt podcast for $3, $5, $10, $25, dollars whatever you want to give. You can support the podcast. Help me cover the costs of making this podcast possible. You can help me donate some money to charity. This year I'm donating to St. Jude Children's Hospital. Uh, 25% of all proceeds from Patreon will go to them. Uh, and you can help me make lives better for them, and make this podcast possible. I'm going to stop talking now and just let y'all in, uh, in, enjoy this episode with Mike Pierre. This is a continuation of our conversation that you heard earlier this season. All right, y'all. Y'all have more uh, content coming soon from Nam. I uh, look forward to sharing it with y'all. Have a good one. Patreon supporters welcome behind the paywall welcome to the Patreon exclusive content for the podcast Uh, we are of course here with Mike analog man and uh, I want to I want to start diving into Mike's uh, old school vintage gear collection because Mike you've got some serious pieces like I I watched to give you my frame of reference I watched the that pedal show episode where they came and visited you and you kind of went through some of his stuff. Yeah, you've got some pretty right. cool pieces. Let's start off the top. What's, like, your favorite piece of vintage gear you got? Let's go in fast.
1: The favorite piece that I have is in Canada with the musical box, the Genesis Tribute Band. It's the um, EMS Cynthia Highfly, the big um, uh, toilet lid-shaped effect that was made. I don't in even England know what and, this uh, is. Made famous, made famous by... Um, Gilmore and a few others. uh, Genesis, obviously, since the Genesis tribute band is using it, but it basically has uh, all kinds of weird phasers, an octave, um, all kinds of random sounds, like wah kind of sounds, but the cool thing about it is the way it was designed, it's very primitive uh, circuit design, but it's very cool, because each knob on the pedal can be controlled with either of the two foot pedal rockers by and either the knob can go up or down when you push down um and so you can set these knobs for the controllers for all these things so it's just it's just an incredible design and if you look on the inside there's like 10,000 diodes in there to do the um the the, the circuit to figure out which thing is, is, is active or not. But it, it works, and it sounds really cool, and I had been looking for one for a long time. and Actually, I bought this one from the musical box, and then they needed it because they had a different tour that they no longer needed it on. anything. Um, I think they first used it on The Lamb Lies down on Broadway, so anything before then uh, wouldn't need it. Um, but then they some, started doing some of that later stuff, and now they're going to... Um, Continue to use it, so I don't know when I'll see it again. But I will definitely see it this fall when they're on tour. I, think I had
0: a never, of I've again. never heard of this piece. I just looked up pictures of it online, and that is wild looking.
1: Yeah, e- EMS was also was more popular for their little keyboard uh, synthesizers, like used by uh, um, a lot of people in the day, and even like Radiohead you, used them for a lot, of, and uh, the Who. Um, Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd used them um, for those re- re- repeating sequences on. Uh, um,
0: oh, it's okay. I'm
1: sorry. Oh, It's okay. I'm, I'm fried. <laughs> a, little, a little tired. But like, uh, um, yeah, a lot of people use the synthesizers, but they also made this big, giant effects. Yeah, no, it's
0: Cynthia crazy. IPod. It looks like what would happen if you combine like a driving simulator uh, with like a Star Trek <laughs> mixing console.
1: Yes, Start it's crazy looking. Like it, it.
0: Yeah, it's it's like a series of like nine faders. So not or the version I'm looking at. There's a couple of different versions. Um, yeah, they are four well, knobs, much the same. some switches, and then of course the two pedals you were talking about. That's that is right. wild looking. Right. Okay,
1: and it's amazing that the musical box uses the original <laughs> actual pedal when when they're performing live, and they have. They have so much vintage gear that it's like they're, they're like my fav, one of my favorite bands. And even even though they're a cover band, they're still one of my favorite bands. And um, he's got the guitar player. He's got the original fuzz pedals like Steve Hackett used. But he built them himself, not only the circuits, but he made the housings out of like soldered sheet metal <laughs> copy of the old um, Superfuzz, the Univox Superfuzz, which was like a bent sheet metal thing with angles on it. And he just took pictures of them from, you know, from the web. And he might've like emailed me and asked me, is this thing four inches long or four and a half inches long? And, and he just made them and they sounded and worked great. They've got the original drums, the original guitars and basses. Um They even have the original mixer. They're using this mixer with the old big ass slider. And I, you know, it was like, yeah. I don't know, eight channel mixer and just sliding up these sliders and, does it sound fantastic to these days? No, but it sounds like you're yeah, back in 1974. That is a
0: dedication to authenticity that I don't even understand. Yeah.
1: Really dedicated. Really dedicated. Yeah. And they're great players, too. Um, and I, I love the old songs, too. Like, if you come to Madison Square Basement to hear my band, it's like going back to 1973 or, or even earlier, because bands back then used the voice of the theater... Um, cabinets which yes. were actually made for movie theaters but they were the biggest biggest things and the loudest things because they were very efficient so rock band could put a few of those per side and with 100 watts you i could get pretty damn loud and they just have that sound it just brings me back to that time just i don't know how to describe the sound but it's like an i played a couple kind of,
0: of, of gigs back in the early 2000s with a set of those Voice of the theater because the the really so, a buddy of mine, his dad owned a music store in Clarksdale. Patreon listeners, you've heard me talk about this ad nauseum. Um, and when he first opened, he just used his collection as his original inventory. And so they, um, he had these old voice of the. He was in a a, a band in the seventies. They covered all the, the the typical stuff, you know. He played a big fifty watt Marshall of yeah. uh, the Les Paul and. Uh, they they played all the the Zeppelin and the the he was Big Bird's fan he had several Rickenbackers at one point Rickenbackers I'm gonna get this right but um what? he um he had these speakers and we were playing a show and needed speakers and so he loaned them to us and that's what we used for that show and they're big they're heavy they took up a lot of space in the trailer but that's what we used and it sounded great. <laughs>
1: You got to be careful. The diaphragms are kind of delicate. I put fuses in line with the diaphragms, so uh,
0: if you get a little feedback, they don't blow right out. Luckily, we did not blow them, so (laughs) very, very thankful. But um, there's a, I can't remember if it's those same cabinets, but it's a similar style cabinet. A piano player friend of mine has. He uses them. (laughs) <laughs> he he bought them because he loves old school gear. He's 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 an older guy. He's a you know retired, but he still plays out and drags his you know Leslie and his. He doesn't have a full Hammond anymore. He did at least go to a keyboard, uh, but um he uses them big theater style speakers as his uh pool sound system out by a swimming pool. So that's that's what he listens to music oh, to outside. Nice. So <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I love listening to like um, I'll, I have a, a flat screen TV that I, I took down, um, put behind there, and I will put on YouTube, and I'll put on uh, Pompeii, Pink Floyd, P- Pompeii, playing uh, echoes or something, and crank it through those speakers, and man, it's just like being there because that's the sound they got back then. The WEM speakers they used were basically copies of the. Of these are uh, voice of the theater speakers. And that's what it sounded
0: like. Yes, it's that's so cool. that. See, that's so cool. I, I love that sound. Obviously I, I didn't start playing gigs until I didn't take up guitar until 1999. I was a senior in high school. And so, you know, all, all of that stuff from that time period. In fact, it took me a while to get to it. It was that friend of mine, uh, whose dad owns a music store. He was the one who turned me on to Zeppelin and the, even the black crows, like the black crows to get me back to Zeppelin. And, Get me. I had another friend yeah. who got me into Floyd. I'm still not the biggest like Floyd fan, but I really appreciate the music, you know. And then the Who. I got into yeah. the Who there for a little bit, and and but honestly, I I was one of those guys. I'm going to be stereotypical. Once I got to Jimmy, I sort of just stopped and hung out there for a long, long time. And so that was that was where mm-hmm. I got. And I for at one point I was playing a 1971 Marshall Super Bass uh, with a 412 cab and. Uh, wow. There's nothing like showing up to a 200 wow. seat blues theater with a 71 Marshall half stack 100 watts. So, yeah, that, that didn't last long in the rig. And
1: well, we used to do that all the time. No, it really, doesn't really didn't. Anymore. Like I've got
0: 100 watt two rock and I'm never going to really get to open it up. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. It's, it's a different world now. Um. So what's your favorite vintage amp you've got then? Oh, uh, that's
1: a good question. Um I do have one of the um I believe they made 50 the hand signed uh sun, sun dragon Jimmy Page amps. And that's just amazing. Yeah. I've got you know, another I've got
0: another friend of mine that picked um, up one of those. It's, it's, so I now I know two out of the 50.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's just it's so unique. I mean, it just breaks up so early and in such a a unique way. So that's a really cool amp. Um I also like you know, I love my Princeton. That's that's the amp, and like like we were talking about getting stuff on Reverb and eBay is expensive, and like Facebook ads are good. i I can't remember where I got this Princeton. It might have been a Facebook Marketplace, but the guy actually brought it to my shop, so I didn't didn't have I to ship it because I hate shipping amps. To take, to take a, an amp that survived 55 years of guitar players and then have UPS drop it four feet and destroy yeah, it. Yeah, big that time. Would piss Absolutely. Me off. <laughs> And so that's the amp I play mostly now. Although I also have a '69 Marshall um, Super League 100 that I play occasionally. It just sounds great. It clean the clean sound it has is fantastic. You just got to dial the two channels in with the, the little jumper, and um, it starts breaking up. You know, pretty 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 quickly. You know, not like a like the '70s amps where they just started to put clipping diodes in them or something. I can't stand some jcm 800s i played i just couldn't couldn't deal with them but this one is just oh, it's a great sounding amp um and another one of my favorite amps maybe my favorite is the D'Armond i think it's called an r5 it's a little brownish amp made in ohio um, by D'Armond i think they only made them like one year maybe in 1961 oh, wow. or something but um, steve kamak turned me on to them he's his sound is so beautiful And then I found out Billy Gibbons loved them. I don't know how many he has and a few other people, but that's just it's just, you know, a little five watt champ style amp, but it doesn't sound like a champ. It's got its own it it, it, low enough volume, you can really get nice chimey cleans out of it. But then you just get it on the edge or get it cranked. And and they have become
0: sought after. I just looked they use a six X four in there. That's interesting. Yeah, have a few uh, for listeners. If you're interested, there's one on uh, reverb right now for thirty two hundred fifty. Uh, <laughs> there's another <laughs> one for thirty five, but I gave you the lower <laughs> price of the two. But and it it is in immaculate condition. Yeah, the, um, it looks brand new. Yeah, I had to.
1: I, oh, that's cool
0: because
1: they usually get really crusty. The the, the control panels usually get. Yeah, it's rusty. got a little rust
0: around the second input. Um. But the the Tolex and the grill cloth are immaculate on the front. It the, the first thing
1: that people our first time people kind of heard of these was the ToneQuest magazine, um Fantastic magazine still in business, and they had an, an article about them maybe talking to Billy Gibbons and a few other people and maybe even Steve Kinlock. And then when I read that article I started looking around and I I was able to snag this one on eBay. Quickly before anyone else read the magazine, I guess I got it. I don't know. I got it pretty cheap though, probably like oh, four or five hundred dollars. And uh, that's that's the beating.
0: That's that's the older version of beating JHS to putting out a pedal on it or a video on it. Exactly. I, I've got a, exactly. I, I've got another podcaster <laughs> um, who will probably never hear this because he's not a Patreon, but that's okay. Uh, from the FX Loop podcast, uh, he bought because. Josh had hinted that or mentioned that he was going to do an episode on the the gear company. I, I think that's what they were called. I can't remember. There was this big fiasco. There was a company that formed, got a whole bunch of people to subscribe and then to never delivered anything. But they had put out some pedals oh, wow. and uh, said he was going to do an episode on them. I assume he still is. He's just trying to get information on it not something everybody wants to talk about. Uh, it made a whole bunch of younger players mad, right. but he had had most of those pedals yep. and he like found the couple from the set he was missing. And so Josh hinted huh. at it. So he put the whole lot up for sale on reverb and sold for some ridiculous sum of money. It's like, come on. <laughs> it It's making it so hard to <laughs> actually find things that you just want to play. Like I'm, I'm lucky. I have a, I have yeah. a Paul Cochran Timmy, and I'm, I'm glad I have one now and got it before. They're insane now. Like just in the last few weeks, they've gone crazy. I just, yeah, no, can't. I he's another guy. He's making it at home. You know, and it's what he does.
1: But you can get the MXR Timmy. We, we we're, a, we're an MXR uh, Dunlop dealer. Um, we sold a few of those, but I thought we would i thought we had sold a lot more by now. Maybe we just yeah, had to you come go. Up with the mod.
0: I—I I haven't listened to one against my Timmy yet. I don't know how close. The, the January mod. That's I should,
1: the There January you go.
0: That. <laughs> yeah, I've got a—I've got a buddy of mine who who bought one of those January pedals, and I'm like, the the Timmy's a third of that price at the time it was. Anyway, I was like, he paid like six hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. for that January, and I was like, okay. There's, there's not a whole lot of pedals out there that I'd pay $600 for. <laughs> there's just not. Um, no, certainly not. No. Yeah, so right. An not overdrive. an Overdrive. Have you seen... Um, I've only recently discovered them. The Sabatius or Sabatius uh, Univibes that he's making? Yeah. Yeah, I've
1: heard of those. I
0: I've, I've know now good. one person who has bought one, and he said it is a complete and utter revelation. And... I'm a I'm a Univibe junkie, and I I'm trying not to. I'm really really trying hard not to because I do not need to spend that much money <laughs> on a Univibe. I I do not. And I I saw somebody put what's that? Well, which one are you using now? Uh, I, you I'll using be honest. Now? So this is where I'm. I, we're on the Patreon episode. It'll be fine. I'm going to be slightly controversial. I was using the Deja Vibe for a long time, and um. Uh Then you know, Mike Fuller is Mike Fuller and says some things sometimes. And I was like, I finally got to a point where I was like, you know what? I I don't I'm just going to sell this stuff. I I had a couple of full tone things and um, my idealist nature got the better of me. And so I sold them off, which is fine. I don't mind. Uh, Then I used the Wilson effects, the haze that he makes. Uh, Wilson makes one called the haze. He also makes one called the Uber haze, which has a tone knob, which is kind of neat on a Univibe um but it it was a casualty of that same time where i needed to sell some things i needed to pay some bills and so right now i'm just using the hx uh stomp and for my univibe and it's okay, okay. it's good it's it's not well, as chewy and it just it does a weird thing in the mid range that i don't like as much that i can't dial out of it um so i
1: it's really hard to make a good univibe so many people have tried and, you know, there's, yeah, good, okay. They can make good ones, but to really make a great one is really tough. I mean, Dave Fox has been making longer than anybody. Um, anybody out there, probably add two or three of those people <laughs> together. Um, and he just gave up. He could not find any good photo cells that were uh, reliable enough, consistent enough, and, and did the right thing. So he's going and redesigning it, and maybe he'll come up with something that can get the Univibe sound, but um, you know, can can take it further. Kind of, you know, the Roger Mayer Voodoo vibe kind of was like that. It it didn't do an amazing Univibe, but it did a lot of yeah. other stuff.
0: That I, was, that and was I'm good. I'm going to get another standalone Univibe here, probably not too much longer from now. But the Sebastius looks really really good. I thought so. Just from the pictures, I thought they were legit the size of the original unifybe. Up until a couple of days ago I saw a picture of one next to one. It's actually much smaller. It's much it's much closer to like the yeah. the deja v- vibe size. But it it's got that it's cool. It's got the aesthetic. And the aesthetic's important to me and it shouldn't be, but it is. Um so but if you know anybody else I'm missing, uh Fox I'd I'd love one of his a buddy of mine has one of his and yeah
1: i um as far as how difficult it is to make the univibes um i've been i was maybe one of the first sweet sound dealers back when bob sweet started making his um ultra vibe in the i guess the mid 90s or so and um unfortunately we lost him several years ago also due to cancer but and his wife barbara has been making them pretty much ever since but this last year she finally just had to give up. It was just too hard getting the parts and and you know, just doing it, it and just she just couldn't do it anymore. But um luckily I've got her to build King of Tone boards for me now, so hopefully that'll get oh, that's the King fantastic. of Tones going a little faster. That's very
0: cool. Yeah. Keep her busy. <laughs> well, that's very cool. I didn't know that. So um it's the Univibe is one of those effects. It's just it was the first modulation effect that I ever really got into excuse me. Um there's just something about it. And like I've tried to everybody told me, Oh, just use harmonic tremolo. It's it's similar. It's they know it's not the same. But they're like, oh use that. And it's good. It's not the same. There's there's something about the the Uni-vibe that just I would use it on all the time if I could yeah. get away with it. But, <laughs> but you know the uh the blues bands that I play for, you know, we're we're playing Kansas City and Sweet Home Chicago. There, some of those singers aren't really going <laughs> to really go for that. So, no. no. Um, so we've talked about your favorite amp amps at this point. Uh, favorite effect, which completely enlightened me on something I'd never even heard of. Um, let's talk. I know you're a Les Paul guy, which I love. A lot. Of, a lot of people have kind of gone away from Les Pauls because I get it. They're heavy. Um, but uh, yep. what's your favorite guitar that you have? I, I see behind you. For example, you've got some uh, some quirkier <laughs> guitars. Yeah, I've
1: got, actually, the first guitar I ever bought is um, over here. Uh, I got this guy in about 1974, Hagstrom two. It was <laughs> black when I bought it. Um, took it to college. Um. I believe it has a Telecaster pickup in the neck now. And, oh no, that's, I think that's a strap pickup, like a 70s strap pickup and like a 70s Telecaster pickup in the bridge, which are really nice, but it still doesn't sound good because the neck is like, you know, <laughs> half an oh, inch yeah. thick. It's got no meat on it. It's also got no frets because it n- never really had much frets and I've played it to death. Um, but yeah, I got to keep that one forever. Um, and then a cigar box guitar my brother gave me, and some random. Somebody keeps. I have one of these. Um, some weird Japanese guitars up on the wall behind me, and uh, somebody keeps contacting me to to buy that Guild yeah. thunderbird looking one on the right. Right. No time to to <laughs> deal with selling selling guitars. Yeah. It's too busy selling pedals and 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 shipping pedals. guitars
0: isn't much better than shipping amps.
1: Yeah, but I still I hate, yeah, still hate me shipping guitars, too. Yeah, I, hate it. it's just... I,
0: I don't like, if I can avoid shipping anything, I will. But, of course, I live down in Mississippi, and so my, you know, it's it's wild. Music scene in Mississippi is still massive, especially over in the Delta where I'm from, from Clarksdale originally. And so huge, right. rich musical cultural history, and it is a gear desert. <laughs> you know, it's. It's you got to You really? got to drive. You got to really, wow. got to really go. Like I've got to for a lot of things. I, I'll give you an example, and this is a a bad example because it's a boutique amp maker. But so I got that divided by thirteen, right? And I wanted to get a matching cab because I'm an aesthetic person, especially on stage. I need things to match. If I'm playing a Marshall, I want a Marshall cab. If I'm playing If I'm playing a divided by 13, I want a divided by 13 cap. I'll change the speakers if I want to, but I want what goes with it. There's no divided by 13 dealers around me. You know, they don't have a ton of dealers to begin with, but like the nearest dealer, I think there's one down in South Alabama, like way South Alabama, and there's Atlanta. And then after that, there's Texas. And (laughs) it's it's. And you run into that like various issues in various, you know, pick, pick the maker and it may not be Alabama, Atlanta, and Dallas. It may be Nashville, which thankfully is only four and a half hours away. Um, But it may be Nashville, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and Little Rock, Arkansas, which is like five hours away. So um, it it just gets tough if if you're – not into, I, I don't mean this to sound negative, but if you're not like playing PV and you know cheap Mexican Fenders, you know that's that's it. Mississippi is saturated with PV. Right. We've got plenty of PV. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's for sure. That, pretty much, the mountain, the uh,
0: you you know, you you're born, you get a slap on the butt of a PV guitar. I mean, that's just the way it the way it is. So, um. I've played i played my fair share of PV gear and I like my fair share of it too I mean I'm not gonna I'm not dogging on it but um if if you have more refined tastes you're gonna have a harder time down here so great and Facebook marketplace sucks I mean you can find deals but for every deal you find you messaged 15 other people who never even bothered to message you back we'll be right back this podcast is supported in part by Stringjoy Strings. I'm a snob. At least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough. And that's where Stringjoy Strings come in. They're better than good enough. They're the best. Stringer are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balanced tension, coated strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using Stringjoy Strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings. I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your Stringjoy Strings today.
1: And then you see people everywhere, Facebook, Reverb, eBay, Everywhere selling stuff for yep. more than dealers sell them for. Why? <laughs> Why is someone going to buy it from you when they can buy it from a dealer with some hopefully some support yeah. and some kind of guarantee?
0: It doesn't make any sense. People,
1: I always I always try to sell things, and this is even in the business. I've al- always car. I used to flip cars too back in like the the, uh, the late seventies to make money. I would you know buy buy sports cars, fix them up, resell them. I always try to sell something for the price I would buy it at. If I didn't own it at that time and I saw it, that car for 4500 bucks, I would have bought it. But I'll sell it at that right. price. exactly.
0: Price. The idea is that you want to sell at a good price that people will buy, which means you need to try to buy at a price that's an actual legitimate deal. Yeah. Uh, rather than going the other way around, buying exactly. at regular price and then trying to jack it up. and. Yeah, it doesn't, make any, it doesn't dealer, make any yeah. sense. I see it all the time. That's, and it doesn't happen with just expensive gear either. Just today I saw someone post on Facebook a lot of three of the Beringer pedals. Right? It's like three Behringer <laughs> pedals. And it was like all three pedals for what did he what was his price? Like sixty dollars, right? And it's like Yeah, yeah they, when $10 well, that was day. that was the thing. Like, <laughs> somebody somebody commented, thankfully, they were like, You realize that Sweetwater has all of these for $19 <laughs> right now on their website brand new. <laughs> it's like, he's like, "Oh, I was going by Reverb prices." And Reverb right now is more than Sweetwater brand new. Like it doesn't make any it does it makes no sense and it comes down to I think it really comes down to like market education of buyers. Like they don't understand. Like I saw on saw this on Facebook. And there's, there's a seller and I'm going to make an assumption that she's selling an amp that was not hers. Like maybe, maybe she had someone in her life that passed or moved on and she listed this amp. The the first key is she said antique and not vintage. (laughs) So it's a, it's a super reverb and it's a. Sixty five reissue super reverb. It's obvious because it's got an IEC plug on the back. I mean and no ground switch. <laughs> Not even a hole for the ground switch, right? It's obvious. But she's got it listed as antique collectible amp for like nineteen hundred dollars. <laughs> oh. it, it doesn't make any Terrible. sense. So it is what it is. Um but I I will just I'm gonna get close to wrapping up because I know you've got a ton of work to do and it's getting late and I still have to eat dinner and it's after nine and I just realized it. (laughs) But um I will say just from from me, I really appreciate your approach to your pedals that you make. Uh your that you're sticking to your guns with the way you make them. Like not, you know, you, you made your concession with the Prince of Tone. It's not your fault people went insane over it and just then Distribution lines got crazy, and uh, I I have a King of Tone, and I've told people... I, in fact, I have. There's, I have clips on YouTube if anybody wants to go see them. Me, I was playing... I don't know if you know who Kingfish Ingram is, Chris Stone Kingfish. Um, yeah, he's from Clarksdale. He's a buddy of mine. I invited me up on stage at one point, and I, I played wow. with him for a couple of songs. I had a Les Paul, a King of Tone, and... And uh that's that deluxe reverb, and that was all I needed it literally that's the pedal that can go with me to every right. gig and just be everything i need Because, you know i right. y- you need two stages of overdrive, you just do everyone does
1: well that's one of your uh, Mississippi folks yeah. I believe luther Dickinson he he told me when he came back from that first uh, Black crows tour that. He took that King of Tone and whatever back line they gave him in whatever country he was playing, he got through the gig. And that's, that's absolutely right. And it can
0: go in the front pocket of my gig bag. And that's, it's, I know that no matter what amp you give me, I'm going to be able to work with it and be able to play, um, which that is everybody. A lot of people say, Oh, you can do that with most drives. No, you can't. There's a lot of overdrives out there that you just can't use with every amp. Um, um, Go ahead and try to use a Tube Screamer into a Vox. I mean, just. Yeah, Tube Screamer is going to be a little too
1: compressed for some amps. Something like a Timmy is going to be too hard for some amps. King of Tone is sort of halfway between the compression of the Tube Screamer and the hardness of a Timmy. There's a,
0: a player buddy of mine down in Hattiesburg. He has a he has a king of tone had it for a while wasn't using it for a while because he was like uh, I, I think it's too comp- it, it was too much compression for him like at the time right and I don't know what switched in his playing but now it's was the only thing he was taking for a while and now I I think he finally added like a he's really into Josh Smith so he added a the Eventide H nine just for the rotary sound and like. Something else. Yeah, rotary, that's another thing. I won't even get into rotary. I love rotary speakers so much. I used to have, I bought and restored one of the Leslie 16s, which was the precursor to the Vibratone. Um,
1: yeah, I have a Vibratone about 10 feet away from me, and I also have a um another... Actually, the fiber tone I did put out in the hall. I wanted to bring it home yeah. and actually use it's, it with
0: my band. And, and uh, I want to find another one. I've been on a search for one because I bought this. Uh, Leslie. So the 16 uh, – so CBS bought Fender and Leslie at about the same time, for listeners that don't know that. They bought them at the same time, and they made this unit. They had two, the Leslie 16 and the Leslie 18. The Leslie 16 – was a 10-inch speaker and had a crossover in the chain so that it fed the lows back to the amplifier that was driving it so that you got the lows from the the amplifier and the mids and some high, little high-end content from the 10-inch speaker. And then the 18 was a 12-inch speaker and was full range. Um, and so, so it didn't do the crossover thing. Um, I restored that thing. I spent... I don't know. I must have spent a month um, cl- deep cleaning all of the the rotary mechanisms. Um, I had to re- I had to completely re- replace wow. the speaker. It was it was shredded. It was it was gone. It it wasn't it wasn't like one of the super collectible like Jensens or anything like that. It wasn't anything remarkable. No. Um, I got the luckily the rotor the belt all that stuff was in good shape. Uh, got it working replace grill cloths because they had been completely shredded and replaced over the years with, like, black burlap. It looked terrible. And then (laughs) I wasn't gigging, and so I sold it. And now I'm like, oh, you idiot. You idiot. They do. They sound so cool. So now I'm on the the hunt again. But it it doesn't have to be that one. Like, if I can find a Leslie 16 or 18, or if I can find a Vibratone or – um. Cordovox or Cordova, one of them makes a version of it as well. I'm watching a few on Reverb, but again I run into that same issue. None of them are ever in Mississippi or in a driving distance.
1: Yeah.
0: I but I love that sound. Right. right. I want it. That's, yeah. And definitely. I the HX Stomp rotary is I I don't like it. It's got a it's got a weird upper mids thing that actually hurts my ear. It literally hurts my ear. Wow. Um, it 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 peaks at a point that actually feels like somebody putting pressure on my eardrums and I, I can't use it. So um, I don't know what it is. Wow. I don't know if it's something that there's a way to EQ out of it and I just haven't done it yet. But I'm going to work on it. Yeah. But I'm going to quit talking your ear off, Mike, and I'm going to let you get back to work. And I sure appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And... It means a lot to me. Uh, and Patreons, uh, appreciate y'all hanging out with us and uh, appreciate you uh, your support. And uh, I'm going to let y'all go with the, the usual. Uh, be sure to be good to yourselves, be kind to each other, and make some noise. This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad free as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.